Welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. What would you do if your neighbors ran out of gas on a long road trip and you were driving by with a full tank? Probably you would help them out. You would give them a lift to the gas station, help them fill up a container with some gas, and take them back to their car so they could get going again. Most of us would do that even for a stranger. Falling under the influence of discouragement in life is a lot like running out of gas on a long trip. Discouragement drains the tank of energy, motivation, purpose, and meaning. When it takes over, people lose hope, get desperate, and start making bad decisions. Their tank is empty, and they get stuck. Jesus has given us the cure for discouragement, as we have seen in the first and second meditations. Our tank is full, or at least it's not completely empty. When we run across people stuck on the side of the road, we should lend them a hand. We need to realize that doing so is an essential part of our identity as Christians, as followers and ambassadors of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and source of all truth, light, and hope. Here's how the Catechism puts it when describing the grace we receive through the Sacrament of Confirmation, the sacrament that completes our Christian initiation. Confirmation gives us a special strength of the Holy Spirit to spread and defend the faith by word and action as true witnesses of Christ, to confess the name of Christ boldly, and to never be ashamed of the cross. The confirmed person receives the power to express faith in Christ publicly and, as it were, officially. In other words, what Jesus did for the two discouraged disciples on the road to Emmaus, every Christian is supposed to do for anyone we meet who has never seen or who has lost sight of the life-giving hope that comes from Christ. Jesus explained the deeper meaning of some confusing and tragic events that had disheartened those disciples. We know that deeper meaning. Not perfectly, but well enough. And we are called to share our knowledge with those who don't have it, to offer others the cures for discouragement that Jesus so generously and so untiringly offers to us. A poignant parable. We all remember the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus was a homeless man covered with sores who lay at the gate of a rich man's estate, hoping that the rich man would give him some leftovers from his sumptuous table. He was so wretched that dogs would come and lick his sores. But he waited in vain. The rich man never paid any attention to him, and continued to enjoy his wealth without any thought for the beggar at his door. When they both died, the rich man went to a place of suffering, and poor Lazarus went to a place of comfort. Abraham appears to the rich man in his suffering state and explains, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. It was no sin for the rich man to be rich, just as it was no sin for the poor man to be poor. But in the end, when justice is done, 
the rich man suffers because he didn't share with others what he had received in abundance from the Lord. Usually, this parable is applied to our duty to share material abundance with those who are in material need. But it should also make us think about the spiritual riches that we have received. We have been given faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in the resurrection. We know that suffering is not the end of the story, just as Good Friday wasn't the end of Jesus. We know that the Lord promises eternal life and everlasting happiness to those who accept his forgiveness and become his followers. These truths, and all the many more truths of our Catholic faith, are what strengthen us in times of trouble and bolster us when sadness threatens to fester into discouragement. What happens to people who don't know these truths, who have never experienced the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ? Where are they supposed to turn when they're faced with the travesty of their own sinfulness or the tragic loss of a loved one? Without faith in Christ, what will protect them from the spiritual paralysis and moral degradation that radiate out from the poisonous infection of discouragement? Like the neighbor with the empty tank of gas, unless someone brings them into the light of Christ, they will stay stuck and frustrated and defeated by the evil of this fallen world. Every Christian's Mission We can never force someone to accept the supernatural hope offered by the gospel. Human freedom is always in play, and even Jesus didn't convince Judas to trust him to the end. But just because we can't control whether someone will accept Christ's message, that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep our eyes open for opportunities to share that message and to do so confidently. In fact, spreading the message of Christ is the primary mission of the Church. It's what Jesus commanded his followers to do in his last conversation with them after his resurrection and before his ascension. St. Matthew explains how that conversation went. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Not every Christian will fulfill this mission in the same way, but every Christian is called to do something. Sometimes we think that spreading the faith is the exclusive job of priests, nuns, and others who have consecrated their lives completely to the Church's work of evangelization. But that is not true. All Christians are consecrated to this work through their baptism and their confirmation. Here is how the Catechism explains it, referring to this work of spreading Christ's message as the apostolate. Since, like all the faithful, lay Christians are entrusted by God with the apostolate by virtue of their baptism and confirmation, they have the right and duty, individually or grouped in associations, to work so that the divine message of salvation may be known and accepted by all men throughout the earth. To teach in order to lead others to faith is the task of every preacher and of each believer. When we talk about this in terms of duty, it can seem like a heavy imposition, something that we have to do but that will detract from our own happiness. But that point of view is backwards. When you help that neighbor stuck on the highway, 
How does it make you feel? Less human? Less fulfilled? Less content? On the contrary, we all know from experience that when we are able to be of some real service to another person who is in real need, we ourselves benefit from it as much as the person we help. As Jesus put it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The more we share with others what we have received from Christ, the more fulfilling our lives will be. It is that simple. Conclusion. Three ways to share. But how do we do that? If someone's car needs gas, it's obvious how we can help. But if someone's soul is languishing in discouragement, we can't just pour our own faith into them, can we? Since each of us has a unique experience with God, each of us will have to gradually discover, under God's own guidance and with some trial and error, how best to share that experience with others. And yet, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus exemplifies three basic behaviors that all of us should emulate in our efforts to be his messengers. The first thing Jesus did was listen. He met these two travelers right where they were, coming up to them and walking beside them, adjusting his own pace of travel to theirs. And before he shared any of his own wisdom, he asked questions and gave them a chance to explain their own experience and thoughts. If we want to help others come closer to Christ, one of our primary tasks as Christians, we need to be great listeners. We need to learn how to meet people where they are. Too often we make false assumptions about them and their motivations. Like good doctors, we need to prescribe our medicine after discovering what the patient is truly suffering from, not before. The second thing Jesus did was use words. He explained God's plan of salvation to these travelers. He explained the scriptures. He applied the eternal truths of revelation to the specific situation in which those two disciples found themselves. This is also something we all can learn to do. In order to use words to help unfold the beauty of God's revelation, we ourselves need to understand it, and that requires ongoing prayer and study. But we must never be afraid of speaking clearly about the gospel. As St. Paul put it, But how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? Finally, after listening and speaking, Jesus followed up his words with actions. He entered their home and gave of himself to them. He gave them the Eucharist, his own body and blood. This, too, is essential to all our efforts at spreading the faith. We must show in our actions that we truly believe in Jesus and his teaching. We must give of ourselves, serving those around us, living virtuously and responsibly, seeking ways to do for others what we would have them do for us, as Jesus taught. Many times, only self-giving love will be able to heal hearts suffering from festering sadness. Many times, only a concrete act of self-forgetful generosity will be able to unlock a heart shut tight against the light of faith. However God inspires each of us to share with others what we have received from Him, 
It will always involve listening, speaking, and giving, just as it did for Jesus. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org. Dot org.